Good day and welcome to June 5th. We're on day 155 of Bible in a Year with Bill. My name is Bill. And you know what? Today is a beautiful, beautiful day. It's actually my wife and myself. We uh, today are celebrating our 27th anniversary since we got married. It's uh, time as sure sure flown since we got married. So this morning our neighbors had us over for breakfast and then she and I took our dogs for a nice long walk in the sunshine. It's a beautiful day and I think we're probably going to head out um, camping. We're going to go to a, a cabin tonight and, and spend some time alone in, in the woods with each other and with the Lord and it's going to be great. Anyway, today we are going to be reading, continuing, 2 Samuel, actually we're going to finish the book of 2 Samuel today. We're going to be reading verses 21 to 24. And then we're going to finish up today's reading with Psalm 76. So let's get right into it. The book of 2 Samuel, chapter 21. There was a famine in David's time. It went on year after year after year, three years. David went to God seeking the reason. God said, This is because there is blood on Saul and his house from the time he massacred the Gibeonites. So the king called the Gibeonites together for consultation. The Gibeonites were not part of Israel. They were what was left of the Amorites and protected by a treaty with Israel. But Saul, a fanatic for the honor of Israel and Judah, tried to kill them off. David addressed the Gibeonites, What can I do for you? How can I compensate you so that you will bless God's legacy of land and people? The Gibeonites replied, We don't want any money from Saul and his family, and it's not up to us to put anyone in Israel to death. But David persisted, What are you saying I should do for you? Then they told the king, The man who tried to get rid of us, who schemed to wipe us off the map of Israel, well, let seven of his sons be handed over to us to be executed, hanged before God at Gibeah of Saul, the holy mountain. And David agreed, I'll hand them over to you. The king spared Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the promise David and Jonathan had spoken before God. But the king selected Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons that Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, had borne to Saul, plus the five sons that Saul's daughter Merab had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Mahalathite. He turned them over to the Gibeonites, who hanged them on the mountain before God. All seven died together. Harvest was just getting underway, the beginning of the barley harvest, when they were executed. Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, took rough burlap and spread it out for herself on a rock from the beginning of the harvest until the heavy rain started. She kept the birds away from the bodies by day and the wild animals by night. David was told what she had done, this Rizpah, daughter of Aiah, and concubine of Saul. He then went and got the remains of Saul and Jonathan his son from the leaders at Jabesh-Gilead, who had rescued them from the town square at Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them after striking them down at Gilboa. He gathered up their remains and brought them together with the dead bodies of the seven who had just been hanged. The bodies were taken back to the land of Benjamin and given a decent burial in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father. They did everything the king ordered to be done. That cleared things up. From then on, God responded to Israel's prayers for the land. War broke out again between the Philistines and Israel. David and his men went down to fight. David became exhausted. Ishbibinob, 
a warrior descended from Rafa with a spear weighing nearly eight pounds and outfitted in brand new armor announced that he'd kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to the rescue, struck the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, no more fighting on the front lines for you. Don't snuff out the lamp of Israel. Later, there was another skirmish with the Philistines at Gob. That time, Sibachai, the Hushathite, killed Saph, another of the warriors descended from Rapha. At yet another battle with the Philistines at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jair, the weaver of Bethlehem, killed Goliath the Gittite, whose spear was as big as a flagpole. Still another fight broke out in Gath. There was a giant there with six fingers on his hands and six toes on his feet, twenty-four fingers and toes. He was another of those descended from Rapha. He insulted Israel, and Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were descended from Rapha in Gath, and they all were killed by David and his soldiers. Second Samuel chapter 22 David prayed to God the words of this song after God saved him from all his enemies and from Saul. God is bedrock under my feet, the castle in which I live, my rescuing night. My God, the high crag where I run for dear life, hiding behind the boulders, safe in the granite hideout. My mountaintop refuge, he saves me from ruthless men. I sing to God the praise lofty and find myself safe and saved. The waves of death crashed over me, devil waters rushed over me. Hell's rope cinched me tight, death traps barred every exit. A hostile world, I called to God. To my God, I cried out. From his palace, he heard me call. My cry brought me right into his presence, a private audience. Earth wobbled and lurched. The very heavens shook like leaves, quaked like aspen leaves because of his rage. His nostrils flared, billowing smoke. His mouth spit fire. Tongues of fire darted in and out. He lowered the sky. He stepped down under his feet. An abyss opened up. He rode a winged creature, swift on wind wings. He wrapped himself in a trench coat of black rain cloud darkness, but his brightness burst through, a grand comet of fireworks. Then God thundered out in heaven. The high God gave a great shout. God shot his arrows, pandemonium. He hurled his lightnings, a rout. The secret sources of ocean were exposed. The hidden depths of earth lay uncovered. The moment God roared in protest, let loose his hurricane anger. But me he caught, reached all the way from sky to ski. From sky to sea, he pulled me out of that ocean of hate, that enemy chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me up on a wide open field. I stood there saved, surprised to be loved. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. Every day I review the ways he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. You stick by people who stick with you. You're straight with people who are straight with you. You're good to good people. You shrewdly work around the bad ones. You take the side of the down and out, but the stuck up you take down a pig. Suddenly, God, your light floods my path. God drives out the darkness. 
I smash the bands of marauders. I vault the high fences. What a God! His road stretches straight and smooth. Every God direction is road tested. Everyone who runs toward him makes it. Is there any God like God? Are we not at bedrock? Is not this the God who armed me well, then aimed me in the right direction? Now I run like a deer. I'm king of the mountain. He shows me how to fight. I can bend a bronze bow. You protect me with salvation armor. You touch me and I feel ten feet tall. You cleared the ground under me, so my footing was firm. When I chased my enemies, I caught them. I didn't let go till they were dead men. I nailed them. They were down for good. Then I walked all over them. You armed me well for this fight. You smashed the upstarts. You made my enemies turn tail, and I wiped out the haters. They cried, Uncle, but Uncle didn't come. They yelled for God and got no for an answer. I ground them to dust. They gusted in the wind. I threw them out like garbage in the gutter. You rescued me from a squabbling people. You made me a leader of nations. People I'd never heard of served me. The moment they got wind of me, they submitted. They gave up. They came trembling from their hideouts. Live, God, blessing to my rock, my towering salvation God. This God set things right for me and shut up the people who talked back. He rescued me from enemy anger. You pulled me from the grip of upstarts. You saved me from the bullies. That's why I'm thanking you, God, all over the world. That's why I'm singing songs that rhyme your name. God's king takes the trophy. God's chosen is beloved. I mean David and all his children. Always. 2 Samuel chapter 23 These are David's last words. The voice of the son of Jesse, the voice of the man God took to the top, whom the God of Jacob made king, and Israel's most popular singer. God's spirit spoke through me. His words took shape on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke to me. Israel's rock mountain said, Whoever governs fairly and well, who rules in the fear of God, is like first light at daybreak, without a cloud in the sky, like green grass carpeting earth, glistening under fresh rain. And this is just how my regime has been, for God guaranteed his covenant with me, spelled it out plainly, and kept every promised word. My entire salvation, my evil desire, or my every desire. But the devil's henchmen are like thorns, culled and piled as trash. Better not try to touch them. Keep your distance with a rake or hoe. They'll make a glorious bonfire. This is the listing of David's top men. Joshua, Bathshebeth, the Tachamonite, he was chief of the three. He once put his spear to work against 800, killed them all in a day. Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahohite, was the next of the elite three. He was with David when the Philistines poked fun at them at Pass Damim. When the Philistines drew up for battle, Israel retreated. But Eleazar stood his ground and killed Philistines right and left until he was exhausted. But he never let go of his sword. A big win for God that day. The army then rejoined Eleazar, but all there was left to do was the cleanup. Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite, was the third of the three. The Philistines had mustered for battle at Lehi, where there was a full field of lentils. Israel fled before the Philistines, but Shammah took his stand at the center of the field, successfully defended it, and routed the Philistines. Another great victory for God. 
One day during harvest, the three parted from the thirty and joined David at the cave of Adullam. A squad of Philistines had set up camp in the valley of Rephaim. While David was holed up in the cave, the Philistines had their base camp in Bethlehem. David had a sudden craving and said, Would I ever like a drink of water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem? So the three penetrated the Philistine lines, drew water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But David wouldn't drink it. He poured it out as an offering to God, saying, There is no way, God, that I'll drink this. This isn't mere water. It's their lifeblood. They risked their very lives to bring it. So David refused to drink it. This is the sort of thing that the three did. Abishai, brother of Joab and son of Zeruiah, was the head of the thirty. He once got credit for killing three hundred with his spear, but he was never named in the same breath as the three. He was the most respected of the thirty and was their captain, but never got included among the three. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada from Kabzeel, was a vigorous man who accomplished a great deal. He once killed two lion cubs in Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he climbed down into a pit and killed a lion. Another time, he killed a formidable Egyptian. The Egyptian was armed with a spear, and Benaiah went against him with nothing but a walking stick. He seized the spear from his grip and killed him with his own spear. These are the things that Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, is famous for, but neither did he ever get ranked with the three. He was held in greatest respect among the thirty, but he never got included with the three. David put him in charge of his bodyguard. The thirty consisted of Asahel, brother of Joab, Elhanan, son of Dodo of Bethlehem, Shammah, the Herodite, Elikah, the Herodite, Helez the Paltite, Ira son of Ikesh the Tekoite, Abiezer the Anathanite, or the Anathathite, Sibachai the Hushathite, Zalman the Ahahite, Maharai the Netophathite, Heled son of Bena the Netophathite, Ithai son of Ribai from Gibeah of the Benjaminites, Benaiah the Pirathonite, Hidai from the badlands of Gaash. Albi Alban the Arbathite, Asmaveth the Barhumite, Eliaba the Shalbonite, Jashin the Gizanite, Jonathan son of Shammah the Hararite, Ahiam son of Sharar the Urite, Eliphelet son of Ahashbai the Maakathite, Eliam son of Ahithophel the Gilanite, Hezro the Carmelite, Peari the Arbite, Egal, son of Nathan, commander of the army of Hagrites, Zelek the Ammonite, Naharai the Beerathite, weapon-bearer of Joab, son of Zeruiah, Ira the Ithrite, Gareb the Ithrite, Uriah the Hittite, 37 all told. Second Samuel chapter 24 once again, God's anger blazed out against Israel. He tested David by telling him, Go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So David gave orders to Joab and the army officers under him, Canvas all the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, and get a count of the population. I want to know the number. But Joab resisted the king. May your God multiply people by the hundreds right before the eyes of my master the king. But why on earth would you do a thing like this? Nevertheless, the king insisted, and so Joab and the army officers left the king to take a census of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began with Eror and the town of the canyon of the Gadites near Jazer. 
proceeded through Gilead, past Hermon, and then on to Dan, but detoured Sidon. They covered Fort Tyre and all the Hivite and Canaanite cities, and finally reached the Negev of Judah at Beersheba. They canvassed the whole country and after nine months and twenty days arrived back in Jerusalem. Joab gave the results of the census to the king, 800,000 able-bodied fighting men in Israel, in Judah, 500,000. But when it was all done, David was overwhelmed with guilt because he had counted the people, replacing trust with statistics. And David prayed to God, I have sinned badly in what I have just done, but now God forgive my guilt. I've been really stupid. When David got up the next morning, the word of God had already come to Gad the prophet, David's spiritual advisor. Go and give David this message. God has spoken thus. There are three things I can do to you. Choose one out of the three, and I'll see that it's done. Gad came to deliver the message. Do you want three years of famine in the land, or three months of running from your enemies while they chase you down, or three days of an epidemic on the country? Think it over and make up your mind. What shall I tell the one who sent me? David told Gad, They're all terrible, but I'd rather be punished by God, whose mercy is great, than fall into human hands. So God let loose an epidemic from morning until supper time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 people died. But when the angel reached out over Jerusalem to destroy it, God felt the pain of the terror and told the angel who was spreading death among the people, Enough's enough! Pull back. The angel of God had just reached the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. David looked up and saw the angel hovering between earth and sky, sword drawn and about to strike Jerusalem. David and the elders bowed in prayer and covered themselves with rough burlap. When David saw the angel about to destroy the people, he prayed, Please, I'm the one who sinned. I, the shepherd, did the wrong. But these sheep, what did they do wrong? Punish me and my family, not them. That same day Gad came to David and said, Go and build an altar on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. David did what Gad told him, what God commanded. Arana looked up and saw David and his men coming his way. He met them, bowing deeply, honoring the king and saying, Why has my master the king come to see me? To buy your threshing floor, said David, so I can build an altar to God here and put an end to this disaster. Oh, said Arana, let my master, the king, take and sacrifice whatever he wants. Look, here's an ox for the burnt offering and threshing paddles and ox yokes for fuel. Arana gives it all to the king, and may God, your God, act in your favor. But the king said to Arana, No, I've got to buy it from you for a good price. I'm not going to offer God, my God, sacrifices that are no sacrifice. So David bought the threshing floor and the ox, paying out fifty shekels of silver. He built an altar to God there and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. God was moved by the prayers, and that was the end of the disaster. Psalm chapter 76 God is well known in Judah. In Israel, he's a household name. He keeps a house in Salem, his own suite of rooms in Zion. That's where, using arrows for kindling, he made a bonfire of weapons of war. Oh, how bright you shine, outshining their huge piles of loot. The warriors were plundered and left there impotent. And now there's nothing to them, nothing to show for their swagger and threats. Your sudden roar, God of Jacob, knocked the wind out of horse and rider. 
Fierce you are and fearsome. Who can stand up to your rising anger? From heaven you thunder judgment. Earth falls to her knees and holds her breath. God stands tall and makes things right. He saves all the wretched on earth. Instead of smoldering rage, God prays. All that sputtering rage, now a garland for God. Do for God what you said you'd do. He is, after all, your God. Let everyone in town bring offerings to the one who watches our every move. Nobody gets by with anything. No one plays fast and loose with him. As we come to the end of the book of 2 Samuel, we remember that David's reign brought great peace, prosperity, and military success to Israel and Judah. Because of all his success, David and the people began to be proud, and God punished them for this sin. We must find our strength and security only in God, and never in worldly possessions. There is a lot of truth in the old saying, the more you have, the more you want. There is always a nicer car, a bigger house, a more exotic vacation, and a newer phone. David literally had everything a man could want. He lived in a beautiful palace, had slaves and servants, many wives and concubines, a great relationship with his heavenly father. Until. Yes, we all know what happened next. He lusted after a married woman, took her as his own, and mur mur murdered her husband. He had it all. His pride told him there was nothing or nobody that he couldn't have. All of a sudden, his identity hinged on getting what he wanted. Now, he had forgotten that everything he had was a gift from God. And because of that, his relationship with God was never the same. Yes, he received forgiveness for his sins, but the scars that remained haunted him for the rest of his life. What gives your life security or significance apart from God? Money? Status? Position? Possessions? Imagine that you lost them all. How would you feel? I'm talking to myself here. I need to learn to see all that I have as a gift from God to be used only for Him, not for personal pride. Tomorrow on Bible in a Year with Bill, we will be looking at the New Testament book of Colossians. I hope to see you there. Take care now.